السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبد الله ورسوله Respected <coughs> elders and brothers in Islam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has yet favored us with another Jumu'ah We can only make shukar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that every Jumu'ah that we see week after week Today is the first of Safar. It's not Safar with the Seen, it's Safar with the Saad. Safar, the year 1445, the second month of the Hijri calendar. And some of us have the superstition regarding the month of Safar, that it has some ill omen, bad luck, especially the first 13 days of Safar. The Arabs, in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Mushrikoon, They had this superstition about the month of Safar. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent into this dunya to clear all misconceptions, superstitions, misnomers. And he brought about a pure and a pristine deen, deenul Islam, that will endure till the day of Qiyamah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has taught us something. Sadaqa Rasulullah, and he is truthful. There's no man more truthful than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that there's no superstition with the month of Safar. There's no ill omen with the month of Safar. If a person passes away in the first 13 days, we say it was Safar. So when he passed away in Zulhijjah, then what happened? Then what happened? If he passed away in Rajah, what are we going to say? So a person's life, death, his rizq, it's all predetermined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's muqaddar. It is already predetermined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, let us correct this. And when we hear someone say that, you know, the first 13 days of Safar or the month of Safar is a month of trial and tribulation, then we need to correct that aqidah. That's incorrect that. Because we are going against the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and what he taught us, that there is no ill omen, there is no superstition in the month of Safar. People die every day of the year, every month of the year. And things happen throughout the year. So this is something very important we need to correct. Then you'll find often that people say, take out more sadaqah in Safar. For what? Take out sadaqah as much as we can. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said that sadaqah does not decrease our wealth. Sadaqah Rasulullah. It does not decrease our wealth. If we have firm conviction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we will understand the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. On one side we say we bring iman in Allah, we bring iman in the prophethood, the risalat of the Prophet ﷺ, then we need to follow that up with our actions and our belief systems. Just to digress, something just came in my mind. Our late Ustaz, Hazrat Mawlana Abdul Rahim Khan, rahmatullah famously known as Mawlana Khan of Orient. I'm sure many of you have heard him over the years, many of you have been his students. I was fortunate enough to be one of his students as well. So Mawlana Abdul Rahim mentioned this hadith to me once and it just came to my mind now. 
And he says this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that sadaqah does not decrease your wealth. He says, I was leaving for Umrah, and Mulana, I love the Haramain al-Sharif. And he passed away about two, three years ago, at the age of 75. So he's, he loved the Haramain al-Sharif to such a level that whenever he could rake up any money, or save some money, immediately he'll go for Umrah, or he'll go for Hajj. Those days when Hajj was quite easy, and there was no red tape, etc., so he mentioned to me once, he says, Malbi, let me tell you one story about this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. He says, one day I had saved enough money, it's school holidays, tomorrow, example today, Friday, I saved enough money just to go for Umrah, my wife and I, and he says, bank balance icon aluto. Right? He put it in his very, uh, you know, famous slang way of putting it. Nothing in the bank balance. I got 200 rand in my pocket only, just for emergencies till tomorrow, today is Thursday till tomorrow, and I got my tickets to go for Umrah, and I paid for my accommodation. He says, I came to the robot before coming to the school, and he says, one lady, she knocked on the window, and she says, that, you know, sadaqah, zakat, as we know, and we shouldn't be encouraging it. We shouldn't be encouraging begging, because it brings about a, a bad picture and a reflection of us Muslims. That we can't look after our poor people. Yet we are doing phenomenal work throughout the country looking after Muslims and non-Muslims. This begging has become a pandemic in our society. Every robot in this vicinity of this area has got Muslims. They are not even Muslims, but they are wearing Muslim garb. And they are begging. And we fall for this and we give them something. I stopped a young man who came to knock. I said, you're a young man. Why are you begging? You need to go and work. Go on a, go on a living. You shouldn't be begging. Every day I see you in the same intersection, day in, day out, hail, say, sunshine, rain, I see you. Why are you bringing this repute to Islam with this garb that you are wearing? You shouldn't be wearing this garb and begging. And we shouldn't be giving. Also, our women folk especially have this habit that they want to open the window and they want to give something. One businessman told me that he went to give sadaqah and that fellow took his phone away. Right? So... He went with a good intention, next minute his phone went away. And that fellow ran into the crowd, and where are you going to get the phone back? So anyway, he came to the robot, this lady came, <clears throat> and as normal, we're going to be, you know, checking near the dash dashboard in the ashtray area, looking in somewhere for some few bob to give that person. And he didn't, uh, couldn't find anything, he says. He says, and I looked at her, and I looked at that one 200 rand I had in my pocket, and she told him, Allah ki naam me de do. Give it in Allah's name to me. Something. And he says that hadith came in my mind. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just relaying an incident. And he says, I just took out that 200 rand and I gave it to her. Sadaqa Rasulullah. He had faith in the words of the Prophet. Sadaqa Rasulullah. And he says, I gave it to her and now I call her luto, real. There's nothing. Not even that little emergency funds I have for the weekend. Just to see me through for my trip. He says, Malvi, I was thinking of these words, Sadaqah Rasulullah, Sadaqah doesn't you know, decrease. So I told him for her, Eid came away early, looks like, you know. But you shouldn't be doing that, I told him, because you're setting a bad example. Now other people want so much of money on the robots, and you're encouraging begging. But that's a separate issue, like I mentioned. So nonetheless, he says, I came to the school, and... I have got absolutely no money. Nothing in my bank account, nothing in my wallet, nothing in my ashtray, nothing there too. 
Some of us, mashallah, we do not smoke, so we keep money in the ashtray too, alhamdulillah. Fortunate we don't smoke. So, nonetheless, he says, when I came into the school, the late Yaqub Patel, rahimahullah, I mentioned him once before on this member also, a wonderful human being. So he says, he told Mulana that you're going for Umrah, so here's a gift for you. So he gave Mulana a gift. And further down he went, and another Muslim elder, he gave Mulana a gift, five, five hundred rand gift they gave. He says, I gave two hundred rand, and I got back a thousand rand. Sadaqa Rasulullah. The words of the Prophet Sallallahu are weighty. Gold is too cheap to write them in. The words of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Whatever he said was from Allah. He was inspired by Allah. So we have faith in the words of the Prophet And what he said is such hair, haq hair. There's no shakur shuba in what he said. That his words, when we say sadaqa Rasulullah, we must have this conviction of sadaqa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So, nonetheless, this wasn't even in my, uh, I hadn't planned to say this, but just came to my mind speaking about the month of Safar. What I was actually going to speak about is the state of the ummah. And this is something passionate uh, to my heart, and I speak about it repeatedly. Every time, perhaps in the last two, three years, I have spoken about this uh, catastrophe that is taking place in the Bilad al-Sham. And you may have heard it from me here and in other masajids as well. So it may sound like a broken tape recorder sometimes, the same thing. But my dear brothers, we are sitting here in our comfort zones. We are quite comfortable, despite the crime and the grime and, and the potholes. And, you know, anyone who drives in Durban, he gets a PhD. He's a pothole dodger. <laughs> so, despite all that, we are relatively comfortable. Despite all that, we are, yes, we had our looting and the flooding, and we pulled through all that also. But there are people across the world, Muslims, who are in very, very difficult situations, not only in the land of Sham, but what about the land of India? As we sit here, how many of us are really aware and cognizant and au fait with what's happening throughout the globe? How many of us? Do we know the persecution of Muslims in India at this current moment? Despite the fact that almost a third or some say even a quarter, a, third, a quarter or a third, Allah knows best, a population of over a billion people, 300 million Muslims, safe estimate, safe. But they are powerless to stop the persecution against them in India. And it's like a bushfire going through India. Just this week, a Muslim man was caught by a Hindu mob and they literally cut his fingers out. Imagine somebody amputating your fingers without an anesthetic. This is what Muslims are going through in India, in Haryana, in other parts of India, the persecution from these mushrikun that we are seeing. Is it far-fetched? The words of Allah are not enough for us. لَتَجِدَنَّ أَشَدَّ النَّاسِ عَدَاوَةً لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الْيَهُودَ وَالَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا Allah is saying with ta'akid. The lamb is for emphasis. لَتَجِدَنَّ That you definitely will find the people who have the most hatred for you. Who are most severe against you. O, o Ummati Muslimah. 
Um Muslimin Ummah. Who are they? They are the Yahud. And we see it today. That the world doesn't care. The Ummah doesn't care. So many so-called Muslim countries, over 50 so-called Muslim countries, we'll say Muslim populations. We won't say Muslim, Muslim populations. Muslim, so-called Muslim governments. What do they care? What do they care? The largest open-air prison in the world is in Gaza. Almost 2 million Palestinians are stuck in there. They, neither from the air, from the water or the land can they go in or out. Does it affect us? We are living comfortably. So where's, where's the Ummah? Is the Ummah alive? Is the Ummah dead? A person is studying history. A hundred years from today, even none of us will be alive. Unlikely. A hundred years from today. It's the year, it's 2123. Imagine a student of history, a Muslim student of history, is studying Islam and Muslims in the last century. And he studies history in depth. And he says, 80,000 Muslims were, were massacred, were butchered in this conflict in Albania, in Bosnia, Herzegovina. They were butchered there. 500,000 Syrian Muslims were killed at that time. Half a million Iraqi children were killed after Desert Storm in 2001. In the 20-year period, over 1 million people died in Iraq. And then he's wondering, so many Palestinians were killed. So many Muslims were tortured in India. So many Muslims were tortured in China. Uyghur Muslims, over half a million Muslim, Uyghur Muslims have been sent to concentration camps. Are we even aware? They are trying to change their belief, their aqidah, into concent in this day, modern day and age, Muslims in concentration camps. Yet we are happy to purchase Chinese products. We're more than happy to purchase Chinese products. Perhaps there's no alternative to those products sometimes. Cheap labor, cheap products. So, a student will be wondering, where were the Muslims at that time? Muslims were about 2 billion strong. MashaAllah, numerically so strong. Spread over the earth, 2 billion strong. But where were the Muslims? They allowed all this to happen? They just allowed it to happen for Muslim women to be raped in Kashmir? Just to be raped in Kashmir? What if it was my mother? Your mother, my sister, your sister, my daughter, your daughter. Would we have been so insensitive to the suffering and the pain of the ummah then? Then would we have been like that? In Kashmir, Kashmir, the persecution of Muslims by the Indian army is unimaginable. The persecution. But it just carries on. The world doesn't bat an eyelid. Doesn't bat an eyelid. The president, the, the, the legally elected president of Egypt, Muhammad Hafiz Muhammad al-Mursi, rahmatullahi alayhi, he was incarcerated oppressively. What happened? Nothing happened till he was finally killed in the prison. In Saudi Arabia, the ulama are languishing, they're rotting in the prisons. Eh? In Saudi Arabia, the heartland of Islam, that sheikh, that imam who speaks the truth, sadaqallah, sadaqa rasulullah, He'll be, he'll be tortured. He'll be thrown into, into a prison there. He can't speak the truth. The imams of the haram, how many of them have disappeared? 
from the scene because they can't take what's happening in the kingdom. I was just listening to a mufti today. He says, I went after one year to Medina Munawwara. After one year, I went to Medina Munawwara last year. I just got back from Medina Munawwara. He says, if you look at Medina Munawwara, rush there and get there quickly before they desecrate more things there. Before they change the whole landscape of Al-Madina Al-Munawwara, where Rasulullah lies resting. That a billion dollar cinema complex is opening near the haram of Al-Madina Al-Munawwara. Cinema, theater, entertainment complex. And we just, we sort of impotent. We are in a state of inertia. We just accepting the status quo of things how they are. But let us now rethink our deen. Let us rethink what Allah sent us in this world for. I haven't even come to my topic. Time is almost up. What Allah has sent me in this world for? Has Allah just sent me for Ananiya? I, me and myself. I, me and myself. It's my house, my car, my business, my this, my empire, my farm, my this, my that. Has Allah just sent me for that Ananiya that I, me and myself? Or has Allah sent me for a purpose here? Allah sent me here for the benefit of mankind. Allah sent me here to uplift mankind. Allah sent me in the world to guide mankind towards the light. Allah sent me in this world to show people the beauty of Islam. The people in this country, millions of them are without hidayat. Hidayat is only from Allah. It's not from us. We can't give hidayat. Neither could the Prophet give hidayat to anybody. If he could have given hidayat, he would have given hidayat to his own family first. Abu Lahab, Abu Talib. But hidayat wasn't his prerogative. Allah says, I only give hidayat to whom I wish. But you have to make the effort. Like every Nabi, he made the effort. He came across the hadith of the Prophet yesterday. That on the day of Qiyamah, there will be some Anbiya with huge, huge populations behind them. And the largest will be the Ummah Muhammadiyah, Rasulullah's Ummah. And that's why he said that have lots of children. For inni mukathirum bikumul umma yawm al Qiyamah, kama qala sallallahu alaihi wasallam, have lot of children because you'll make me very happy and proud of you on the day of Qiyamah. So, he'll have the largest ummah. But there will be some anbiya, with them there will not be a single ummati. Not one person accepted their message. Will that diminish their reward in any way? Are they unsuccessful? Never. Every Nabi is successful. But not one ummati to tick that he brought hidayat, he brought iman. Not one. But they will go into Jannah, the Anbiya, guaranteed. So our work is to make the effort. Our work is to help the Ummah. Our work is to uplift the Ummah. Haji Vaipadiya, rahimahullah, Allah fully with nur. What contribution he has made to this country. He used to say, when you see a man down, hold his hand, pick him up and move with him. And that he was the epitome of that his entire life. That when you see a man has fallen, don't let him fall further. Hold him, pick him up, move with him, encourage him, support him, be kind to him, help him within our capacity. 
Allah will not christen us what's beyond our capacity. Allah will christen us what's within our capacity. So let us become inviters to the of Islam. Let us show people the beauty of Islam. Let us give dawah to non-Muslims. Every person we meet, speak to him, smile at him, be cheerful to the person. Ask him that I want to take you to Jannah. Especially the indigenous people of this country, they have little of the dunya also. Are we going to paint them all with one brush? Who was Bilal bin Rabaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu? Who was he? Was he not an African person? Was he not an African slave? Was he not a person with curly hair? Was he not? So let us not look at people through such lenses of prejudice. Let us not look at criminals and paint everybody with the same brush. Let us look at people as human beings, the family of Allah. Al-Khalqu Iyalullah. The human beings are the family of Allah. We are the creation of Allah. We are the family of Allah. Let us pick up each and every human being within our own circles, our own capacities. Come, I want you to go to Jannah also. I also want you to go to Jannah. How about? How am I going to go to Jannah? What's Jannah? Talk to him. Tell him what's Jannah. And tell him, come, you say la ilaha illallah, you'll go to Jannah. Inshallah. Time is up. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me a tawfiq in every one of us. My respected brothers, these cards have been published. So these are available. I'll leave it with the mu'adhin. What do you know about Islam? Plain, simple, pocket cards. What do you know about Islam in Zulu and in English? This for free distribution. Give it to somebody you know. Concentrate on one person. Bring one person into Iman and Islam. It's better for you, the whole world, and whatever it contains. One person you save from the fire of hell. You took him to the bliss of Jannah and paradise. Better for you than this whole dunya and what it contains. So I'll leave this with the Mu'adhin, respected Mu'adhin. And then it's available at the Jamiat offices also. Go there, get a copy, arrange to get some copies. Give your non-Muslim customers, non-Muslim friends. Invite them to the beauty of Islam. Allah Ta'ala give us all tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.